0: city light south it's good to uh, see some faces in the room i uh, as we were welcoming people into the building I was just getting this sense of absolute joy to be around people once again, and so it is a joy to uh, be around people, but we also miss each and every single one of you who are tuning in online. We miss you guys. Hopefully, one day, the Lord will continue to move towards uh, the point to where we can all gather together in the building together, and so uh, please keep praying with us as we uh, just ask the Lord for wisdom, how to keep moving forward in the direction and the steps that we're headed. Uh, before we get started, I'd love to just pray uh, before we enter into God's Word and sitting under the teaching of God's so uh, if you'd bow your heads with me, Lord. Father, this morning, as we gather to worship you this morning, as we sit under your word, God, we pray that we would listen to you. We pray um, that your Holy Spirit would speak to us. God, would we not just listen to the words that come out of my mouth, but would we actually ask you to move in our hearts? God, would we listen to the words that you have written and declared your majesty, over all of creation, your majesty over all the earth. Lord, would we remember that your glory is above all of the heavens, God, that your strength shines bright from each and every single thing, every single thing that we see and know. Lord, we pray that we would just listen to you this morning, God. Would you lead us to worship you? Would you lead us to, to glorify you, God? Would we continue to know and to love you more each and every single day? We ask this in your beautiful name, amen. Uh, so many of you, uh, may have built something in your lifetime, right? So my question is, has that thing that you've built kind of blown you away and made you take a step back, right? Now you guys know that I'm super handy and I'm really good at building things to the point to where I got beat up by a sliding screen door last week. Uh, I'm actually not good at being handy or building anything at all. But uh, anyway, about a year and a half, I'm going to move this because it's weird. But anyway, about a year and a half ago, I built. Uh, I had this vision to build a coffee table, and so as that vision started going, I had this desire to do it, and I went to go and borrow a saw. And that saw literally took me three hours to figure out how to unlock it, to be able to use it. And that's not an exaggeration. It literally took me that long to figure out how to use the saw. After I figured out how to use the saw, I started to gather the wood. Uh, I started to gather the pieces and start thinking, okay, how is this all going to fit together? How is it going to work? I started marking it up so the, uh, the, the measurements would be precise. And as I started cutting the wood, of course... I made wrong cuts and the pieces were not right so I had to get more and start all over again and it took a couple tries, but finally I made the right cuts. After making the cuts, I started kind of laying everything onto the ground and I think there's some pictures even maybe, I don't know, maybe you guys online are seeing them. Uh, but um, So you can see as we started to uh, get the pieces of wood, I, we sanded the wood going back and forth, back and forth, trying to have smooth grains so that we could paint and stain the wood. Then Mariah, my wife and I, we started to paint it. We started to stain the wood, uh, and it came to the point to where we got to assemble everything. And so we're looking at the stuff, and I've got the drill, and I had no idea that drill bits were an actual thing. And so you can imagine how long it took to drill holes into these two-by-fours and these pieces of wood, uh, and the angles were all wrong. The wood was splitting. The nails were coming out of the side. It just took forever, and I was getting really frustrated. But eventually, we were able to build this really awesome coffee table that I'm extremely proud of. We got to the end of the process, and I was able to look at that and go, Man, that's a good-looking coffee table. That thing's sweet. And I was proud of the fact that I got to assemble all of that. I got to use my creative juices in terms of just envisioning what this uh, table would look like. And by the end of the product, I got to look at the creation that I made and go, man, that creation is really cool. But I was even more proud of the fact that I, I dreamed that all up and I was able to execute that. and It was so cool. Now, many of you guys are builders. Many of you guys have these creative juices that you're able to create these things, paint some artwork, make some great food, build houses. I've been in houses that you guys have built. It's absolutely mind blowing to me that you guys have these skills and are able to do these things. It's wild to me because that is not a gift that I have, but you guys have it. And so when people go over to your houses or they see uh, these creations that you've made and done, right, they start looking and they go, man, that's so cool. That's that's such a cool creation that you've made. And and then they start thinking, oh, but you dreamed that all up in your head. That's amazing. And so they start praising you for the creative juices that you have and and all the hard work that you've put into it, right? And it's the same exact thing as we turn into Psalm chapter 8. We see the creation that our creator has made. We glorify our God and see how majestic he is that he's Created the beautiful earth that we live on, the universe that is so expansive and so vast and so massive and so huge, and it blows us away, but we're not primarily blown away by the creation. We're blown away by the creator, right? And so as we dive into Psalm 8, we get to see how majestic our God is, how wonderful he is. And so if you would please read with me of our great creator, in Psalm chapter 8 we're going to read verses 1 and 4 1 through 4 sorry it reads this O Lord our Lord how majestic is your name in all the earth you have set your glory above the heavens out of the mouth of babies and infants you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger when i look at your heavens the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which have set in place. What is man that you are mindful of him? And the son of man that you care for him? We see in Psalm 8 that God is absolutely amazing. That he has created everything and his majesty is over the entire earth. God's majesty is everywhere and we can't escape it. That's the reality. We see everywhere And we go, man, God created that. That's so beautiful. That's absolutely amazing. So I I want you guys to try and think of a place that you're like, man, that's not so majestic. And I know a lot of you guys are probably thinking of like Iowa. Iowa. Or Oklahoma, right? No, but in reality, those places still are majestic. Those places are still beautiful in God's creation. They still have wonderful sunsets. They've got great landscapes that God himself has created and put in place, and people live there, and humans exist there because God is amazing and he's majestic. So the point is that we cannot escape God's beautiful creation. Everywhere we go, we look and we say, man, our God created that." The God of the universe created that. And, and everything we look to, things that are maybe even far off, right? We start thinking uh, of the, the bottom of the ocean. It's majestic. We think of the, the tops of mountains and we go, man, that's absolutely majestic. We see the sunsets in Nebraska in the middle of the summer and we go, oh my gosh. That's so majestic, and that's because God has created all of that. It's not just the creation that we're blown away by, but we should look to the creator and know that he's the one who deserves the glory. He's the one who created all of that. It's absolutely beautiful to see that our God is so majestic over all the earth, everywhere we go. And David continues on to to talk about how God's glory is set above the heavens. Now, this isn't just a physical place that David is talking about. He's literally saying that God's glory is greater than anything we could ever imagine, that God's glory is above everything. And as we look to these beautiful things, right, we, we look at these high mountains and how majestic they are and powerful, and we look up, man, that thing goes so high up. It is so beautiful, and God's glory triumphs over that. We drive into a large city, right? And, and we see all the skyscrapers and we go, man, those things probably took years to build. It's a really beautiful, cool thing that took hundreds of people to do that. But God's glory triumphs over all of that. All of these things. God's glory is over everything. You try and put anything beautiful that you could think of or imagine. Put it all together And God's glory is still much greater than all of that put together because his glory triumphs over everything. We can see clearly as we look out to the heavens, as we look out to the earth, as we look to the skies, as we look to the oceans, as we see a giant fire, as we see the mountains, everything, and we try and put it together. And it's nothing Compared to God's glory because his glory triumphs over all the heavens, all of creation, all of earth. And when we look to those things, it leads us to say, oh, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name, God, that your glory is above the heavens. All of creation rings his name. All of creation celebrates that he's majestic, that he's wonderful, that he's good, that that's our God that created each and every single thing. It leads us to go. Oh Lord, how majestic is your name. David continues on to not just think of large scale creation, right? At first, he starts thinking about the earth and he starts thinking about the heavens, but then he goes a little bit smaller and he thinks of babies and infants. And he says, Lord, even out of the mouths of a baby and infants, your strength is proclaimed. Have you guys ever been in a room where there's a baby? Right? You, you walk into the room, and you start looking at everybody, and everyone's focused on the infant. The child could be doing absolutely nothing, and yet everyone just looks to it and goes, oh my gosh, that's so beautiful. That's so amazing. That's an image bearer of God that's going to grow, that's going to crawl, that's going to uh, go number two, that's going to scream, that's going to do all of this, this baby, It's still so majestic and beautiful. And we're drawn to look at it and go, oh, my gosh, that's absolutely amazing. Even out of the mouths of babies and infants, God's name is glorified because he establishes his strength. And he goes on. He goes on to say to still the enemies and the Avengers. And and now this line can be sometimes confusing. It confused me when I first read the psalm because it could read like that, uh, that God only has strength because there's an enemy. And so it could be confusing and be like, well, if there wasn't an enemy, would God be strong then? Would he be weak if there was no enemy? Uh, Well, the reality is that we have to look at the psalm and remember, we get to see God's strength because there is an enemy, right? Because there's an enemy, we get to see God triumph. ...over his enemy and the avenger. We get to see God's power absolutely just continue to win and defeat. And there is nothing that is stronger than him. That our God is so strong. But because there's an enemy, we get to see God's strength. So that's what that part in the psalm means. Jesus quotes Psalm 8 as he enters into uh, Jerusalem, right? We read in Matthew 21, the triumphal entry. Jesus, riding on a donkey, enters into Jerusalem... And as he's entering into Jerusalem, children run, and they have the palm leaves, and they start to shout, they start to shout, Hosanna, O son of David. The children cry out, expressing their joy to see Jesus, to see him ride into town. And and they proclaim his name, and they praise him, and they're excited to see him. But then the Pharisees, the Jewish leaders, the scribes, they get frustrated and angry, that this is happening. And so Jesus says to them, he quotes Psalm 8, he says, haven't you heard that even out of the mouths of children, you have prepared praise. And so Jesus is declaring, hey, the children are singing to me. I am God. I am the one to be worshiped. But even in the same sentence, those Pharisees know what the rest of that line is. They know that god steals the enemy and he stills the avenger and so jesus himself is calling those jewish religious leaders his enemy and we see in matthew 21 in the triumphal entry that even out of the mouths of children that his name is proclaimed and his enemy is stood still that god is so powerful so majestic so good it's absolutely amazing All of God's creation testifies and proclaims how majestic he is. It reveals his glory over and over and over again. We keep seeing the heavens, the earth, the children. All of these things proclaim God's glory. And it leads David to think a little deeper. It leads David to start thinking a little more intimate, right? Because we see in verse 3... As David continues to, to proclaim God's glory in the psalm, he starts talking about uh, how God has created the stars and the moon. And he says, man, God, you've, you did that yourself. The work of your fingers has perfectly placed the stars and the moon. And it makes him take a step back and go, that's absolutely crazy. Tonight, if, if you're able to see the stars and the moon and the night sky, I I want to challenge you. Go outside and actually take a step back and appreciate God's creation and appreciate the power that it takes for God to do something so beautiful. And he spoke it into existence. God created the stars, the moon, other planets, galaxies, the entire universe. He did all of this. And it was easy for him. God created it and spoke it into existence, right? Think of all these projects that maybe you've done, maybe home projects that you're doing right now while uh, everything is kind of slowing down or, or any other creation that's really big and wonderful and it's absolutely beautiful and every time you see it, you go, oh my gosh, that thing is so cool. Now, I know each of you in the room right now and everyone online is probably thinking about how cool my coffee table is, I know, but think of something maybe that's just a little less cool like the pyramids that people created. Uh, But think how long it took for them to build the pyramids. Years. Think how many people it took. Hundreds of slaves laboring. Hundreds of people moving, dying, sweating, body aching. All of these people took years to build these beautiful pyramids that we can go and visit. And we can see. And we're blown away by the creation that they've made. Think of how long it took them to do all of that. And all the work that it took to do something so beautiful. And yet our God spoke everything into existence, barely lifted his pinky, and all of creation was made. How wonderful is that? He didn't sweat. He didn't have to wake up sore the next day. He didn't cut himself on a sharp edge. He he didn't run out of breath, any of that. God himself just spoke the universe, the heavens, the earth, humans into creation how majestic is your name, O oh Lord? It's absolutely beautiful that our God has that much power that he could do all of that. And while David is dreaming of all of the creation that God has made, of everything that He spoke into existence, David takes a step back even more and he says, oh my gosh, that same God, he's mindful of me. That same God that created this expansive world That created the stars, the moon, other planets, other galaxies. He created an earth and created me. And not only did He create me, but He's mindful of me. Let that soak in. God is mindful of you. Out of all of this, out of all of creation that you see, He knows you by name, He knows your innermost thoughts. He hears your prayers out of all of creation. God is mindful of you. Seven and a half billion people on this earth, and he's mindful of each and every single one of them. There's about 200 and some people in our church, and I can't keep everyone's name straight, so I cannot fathom how God is mindful of all seven and a half billion people And on this earth, it's mind-blowing to me that God has the capacity to be able to do that with ease. And not only does he do it with ease, but he does it because he cares. Our God is mindful of each and every single one of us. And it's absolutely beautiful that he cares about us so personally. That he desires to be in a relationship with each and every single one of us. So my question for us to wrestle with, for us here on this earth, as we see other people here, are we mindful of the people that we interact with? Are we mindful of each and every single person that comes across us in our day? Are we mindful of the fact that they're image bearers who who potentially don't know the risen Christ, that there is a God that's mindful of them and he desires to know them? Are we mindful of them enough to share the truth of Christ with them? Are we mindful of the fact that they have a soul and there is a God who is mindful of them, who desires to know them? Are we mindful of them like that? Because our God is, and he desires a relationship with each and every single one of us. He desires us to know him and he's mindful of us. Are we mindful of people that way? Or do we simply try and find value in people? I fall into this trap sometimes. Where I find, where I start to think, oh, oh gosh, they're a mechanic. Yeah, I, I should maybe be their friend a little bit more. So when my car breaks down, then maybe they'll help me out. Or, oh, oh, you, uh, you love decorating houses? Cool, you want to come look at my basement? I need some shelves built. Uh, oh, oh, you uh, know how to work on toilets? Yeah, I got one. That's busted, or oh gosh, you know how to work a computer? I can't get mine to turn on. Can you help me out a little bit? And we start putting value on people for the gifts that God has gave them, rather for the fact that they're just an image bearer that God has made, and He is mindful of them. Are we mindful of people like how our God is? Because our God does not care that we have these amazing gifts that we could uh, uh, just show off to people. He just cares about us. Before we had the gifts that He's given to us, He's still mindful of us. As as young infants before we were even born he's mindful of us we don't have to show off in order to earn his attention are we mindful of people in that way as our great god is we don't have to win over his attention he's already mindful of us now don't get me wrong we should joyfully serve others with the gifts that god has given to us that is so very very true but are we finding value in people for the things they can do for us or are we actually mindful of them because they're an image bearer? Because God has created them. And the beauty behind all of this, the beauty behind all of it is that we add zero value to God. We add nothing to him and yet he is still mindful of us. That's amazing. It's absolutely beautiful that he cares for us so much. And another trap that we may fall into in the midst of all of this is that we get caught up in trying to find value and approval of others, right? We start thinking, oh, look at this cool TikTok that I made. Or or we say, look at this coffee table that I built. It's pretty dang cool. Or, Or we say, oh, you should watch this lesson that I taught. I'm sure that you'll learn something from it. Or, hey, take my class. It will be beneficial for you. Or we start saying, oh, you should see my baking skills because my treats are pretty good and you should praise me for it. These are all things that we try to win people's approval over we start to uh, feel valued by others we don't have to try and find value in ourselves but we have a God who is mindful of us this is such a beautiful reality yes he's given us amazing gifts but before we even had those gifts he was still mindful of us and he still cared for us and he still created us and he still desired to know us personally, and for us to know him. This is absolutely beautiful, church. We don't have to get caught up in being valued by other people because we have a majestic God who sees us and pays attention to us. We have a beautiful God who who doesn't say, hey, you have to perform miracles in order to win me over. No, our God loves us for who we are. Right here, today, right now, He loves us and He desires a relationship with us. We don't have to try and win Him over. We don't have to do something amazing or do some jumping jacks just to get His attention from across the room. No, He's always mindful of us. And we can always seek Him. Our God is so majestic that He sees us. Our God is so wonderful that He sees you. Jesus sees you right here. Right now, today, Jesus sees you and and guess what? You don't have to fight for his approval. You don't have to feel like he's ignoring you. You don't have to feel like you need to surprise him in order to win him over. No, he's already done all that work for us. Jesus has already done all the work for us. And he sees us, who we are. And he's mindful of us. Psalm 139 continues on this beautiful thread that God is mindful of us. And it reads, you know, when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all of my ways. And he continues on later in the psalm. And he says, you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. That's the God. God. That is mindful of you. He knows everything that you do, from the moment you wake up and you stand up. He knows that you stood up, and you sit down, and he's aware of that. He knows your innermost thoughts and innermost prayers, and he hears you and he sees you. It's absolutely beautiful that we have a God who is mindful of us in that way. That he cares for us. That. While he created the the sun, right? So powerful and so big, yet he still knows you. While he, he gave us life through his son, Jesus, right? He cares for us. The God who created the stars and the moon, the God who set everything in place is mindful of you. The God whose glory extends over all of creation and all over the earth. He hears you speak and he hears your thoughts. This God. This God, so majestic, so mighty, so good, so beautiful, this God is mindful of you. And we should remember that, that we don't need to work for his attention, but he's mindful for us. That he sees us, that he hears us, our God is near to us. Remember that you don't have to work for that attention. Remember that you don't have to try and create something to impress him. That you don't have to try and win him over. That he doesn't find value in you because you do something cool. But he finds value in you because he created you. Because he knows you. It's so absolutely beautiful to really think of how wonderful and majestic our God is. So good that he would die for you. That he would offer up his son. That Jesus himself would spill blood so that you could be with him for eternity. It's wild. It's crazy. It doesn't make any sense. And yet he's mindful of us and he desires us to be near to him. God not only has his glory on display in all of creation and through us, but he has charged us to take care of his creation, he's charged us to go and to continue to put his glory on display. So, keep reading with me the rest of the psalm starting in verse 5. Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You've given him dominion over the works of your hands. You've put all things under his feet. All sheep and oxen, all of the beasts of the field, the birds of the heaven and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths Of the sea. Oh Lord. Our Lord. How majestic is your name. In all the earth. God's glory. Is given to humans. God's glory is handed down to us. This amazing God. With all the power. To create the universe itself. Gives dominion. To humans. To take care of the earth. Gives us the ability to reign and rule alongside of it. He's created this beautiful planet and he says, it's yours to take care of. Let's do this together. And he invites us to reign and rule with him. And it's absolutely wild that God has created and crowned us with glory and honor and desires for us to work the ground and have dominion over each and every single part of it. That's wild to think about. Think of something that you hold precious, something that you hold near and dear to your heart, or something that you just really enjoy, something that you want taken care of. Would you hand that off to somebody, knowing that they were going to hinder that? It's absolutely wild that our God invited us to reign and to rule with him, to, be taking care, uh, to take care of the earth wild. Mariah and I have this game, my wife Mariah, uh, and I have this game called Throw Throw Burrito. Uh, we really enjoy the game. I think it's super fun if you haven't played it before. Uh, it's a card matching game, and so you've got cards and you've got to get three of a kind, and you kind of rotate and you discard as you keep going and trying to pick up and match three, and it goes really, really fast, but there's three uh, different types of battle cards. And if you match the three of a kind in the battle cards, the the card game itself is put on pause and there's these two plush burritos that you have to grab and it basically becomes dodgeball at that point. And you just try to hit somebody with the burrito. And if you get hit first, you lose a point. The game's super fun. But uh, anyway, uh, my point is that we really enjoy this game. I like the game. Uh, And so sometimes Mariah will want to take Throw Throw Burrito home to her parents' house. And if I know that the nephews are going to be there, I'll be a little more hesitant. I'm like, I don't know if we should take that game because I'm selfish and I care too much about physical things on this earth, but also because I don't want them to break it. Um, and I know that they might get into a fight over the burritos because they're really fun to play with, and I don't want them to rip the burritos. I want to take care of it. I don't want to hand it off to somebody who might break it because then I can't play the game. And yet our God created something so beautiful, and he handed it over to us, and he said, it's yours. Run with me. Do this with me. Have dominion over over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, everything that creeps on the earth. Work it. Have dominion over it. How beautiful is that? Knowing what was going to happen next, yet he still said it. It's absolutely crazy to think that our God gave us this beautiful creation to reign and to rule with him, that he passed it off to us And desires for us to rule alongside of him. And the creation story we read in Genesis 1 for the first 25 verses. Of how God creates this world and this earth. And it's so beautiful how he continues to speak and things just happen. It's wild. And then in verse 26 something changes. Something is different about his next creation. Humans. He sets humans apart from the beginning of time. He says, let us make man in our image. Nowhere else in all of scripture, in all of creation, is something given the same truth. That mankind, humans, are made in God's image And he continues on from there. He says, let them, humans, have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the heavens, over the livestock and over all the earth. Every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God lets us have dominion. He grants us the ability to go and to work what is so valuable and what is so beautiful. And he allows us to work alongside him in his creation." I'm not just saying that we should take care of the earth, but I'm saying that we have a gift from God, right? That he's given us the ability to work. We have jobs, right? That we go to. We do things in this world and God has asked us to go and to work and to work it hard. There is value in our work. There is value in what we do because God has commanded us to go, therefore, in his likeness, giving you gifts. He desires for you to use your gifts to present his glory. He wants to put his glory on display through you. He wants to put his glory on display through us. Church, what we do matters. How we work matters. When when we go to work, know that you're God's workmanship, that you are crowned with glory and honor if you're in Christ. And when you wake up in the morning, remember that. That we should work hard, that we should work hard, and that loves our neighbor, right? Because when we're able to go and work hard and people see that we're working hard in whatever it is that we do, and they go, oh my gosh, you did that project so incredibly well. Oh my gosh, you taught that lesson so good. Oh my gosh, these cupcakes are absolutely amazing. Oh my gosh, I can't believe you're able to care for your children so well. Oh my gosh. How did you do it? Well, let me tell you about my God. Let me tell you about my God who gives me strength through his Holy Spirit. Let me tell you about how I did it because it wasn't me. It was all him. And we can put his glory on display through proclaiming his name through the work that he's given to us, handed over to us, that we can work hard at our jobs and when we do that, we glorify God. He's called us to work. He's called us to work hard because we can put his glory on display through that. And as we look at Psalm 8, and we look to the work that God has given to us, we see the tasks set before us, right? We see that we are supposed to have dominion over all the creeping things, and sometimes we go, oh my gosh, that sounds like a lot. And even in today's world, right, where not all farmers, yes, uh, this is figurative language, I, I firmly believe, yes, he was talking to them to work the ground, but also for us it is different because not everyone is a farmer, and we do all have different jobs, but We look to the work and we look to the jobs that we have and we go, yeah, today I don't really want to work hard. Yeah, I'm not feeling it today. Ah, gosh, I'm just so tired. I'm just going to skim a little bit here and there. I'll take the easy way around to make it a little easier so I don't have to work as hard. I'll put that off until tomorrow. Why is it? Why is it that we get tired? Why is it that we don't want to work hard sometimes? Why is it that we try to put things off and we procrastinate? Because in Genesis 3, we read of the tragic story that Adam and Eve disobeyed God and they ate of the fruit. And we read of how sin was then passed down to the rest of us. How they were supposed to rule and reign over everything that creeps under and on the earth. And they were deceived by the creeping thing, the serpent. And they listened and they disobeyed God and they did what they wanted to. And like them, we choose ourselves over others. We choose what we desire and what we hope for more than working hard at times. We go, oh, I'm just so tired, so I'm not going to work as hard today. I don't really want to put in all that effort. Gosh, that just seems a little difficult. I'll pass it off to someone else, so they have to deal with it. All of that, stems from the fact that we carry the curse of sin. We carry the curse of the ground being hard to work. And because of the curse of sin, we're separated from God. Because we've disobeyed him, because we care more about ourselves than we care about others, and we care more about ourselves than we care about him, we're separated from him. But the point of the psalm isn't what we did wrong. The point of Psalm 8 isn't the fact that we broke uh, what God originally created. The, The fact and the point of the psalm is how he did more than just give us a beautiful creation. He gave us a beautiful salvation through Jesus. That's the point of the psalm that our God is so majestic and so good that his glory is above the heavens, that he crowned his son a little lower than the heavenly beings to come and to die for us. And we read of this, how Psalm 8 is quoted in Hebrews chapter two. And it says this, he quotes the Psalm. He says, uh, or uh, yeah, the author of Hebrews says, uh, what is man that you are mindful of him or the son of man that you care for him? You made him a little while lower than the angels. You've crowned him with death for everyone. That's the beauty that we get to sit in. That's the beautiful truth that we get to say, oh my gosh, my Lord, my God is so majestic and so wonderful and I will praise his name and I see his glory everywhere. This is good news that while we were disobedient, Christ still came for us. Good news that we read in Hebrews that that Jesus came to the earth Him as a human lived a perfect life and died for us, paid the price for our sin, and we can have life through Him. All we have to do is put our faith and trust and repent of our sin and and trust in Him for who He is. He deserves the glory and the honor, and He is crowned with each and every single bit of it, and because of Him, we can have life with Him forever because of Christ one day the earth will be restored. And one day we will be a new creation because of Jesus. We can no longer, or we we can be with God. We don't have to be separated from God because of Christ. Because of his blood, we can trust in him and have eternal life with him. That he has dominion over Everything. That he is the one true God. That he came and paid the price for us while we messed up. And we don't have to work for it. We don't have to present him some shiny creation that we made and said, Hey, will you please take this and let me in? No. He comes joyfully. And is mindful of each and every single one of us. And died so that we would know him. That's how mindful our God is of us and how amazing he is that God perfectly designed a creation for us to be able to live in and to work alongside with for him. And we will be able to see that one day if you're in Christ, the psalm ends the same exact way that it begins. And I firmly believe that as David was worshiping God and as he's writing this psalm, he's thinking of the glory and the honor that's uh, above all of the heavens. And he's thinking about how God's name is so majestic and he's describing all of these things, how his strength is even to the infants and to the babies. And then he says, oh, my gosh, he's mindful of me. And it leads David all to worship God all the more. Oh, God, our Lord, how majestic is your name. And the same rings true for us, that as we remember how majestic God is, and as we take a step back to actually think about how amazing our God is, to think about how majestic he is, how powerful he is, the fact that he's mindful of us, it leads us to worship him and to go, oh Lord, our God, how majestic is your name? Pray with me. Father, as we sit here and as we read your psalm, as we read your words, O Lord, we declare the truth that you are majestic over all the earth, that you are absolutely amazing, that you've created Everything, O oh Lord, and your glory is set above the heavens, God, that even out of the mouths of infants and babies, your strength shines bright. Lord, we thank you that you have perfectly knit us together, that you know each and every single one of us, that you are mindful of us, O oh God, that you care for us, that you care for us so much that you sent your son Jesus to die on a cross for us, O oh Lord. That we could have life through you. God, as we remember to continue to go forth. And as we remember the fact that you've created us to to go and to work the ground. To work hard. To put your glory on display. Oh God, would we remember the beautiful God that created everything. The beautiful God that is mindful of us. The beautiful God whose glory is always on display. Oh Lord. Our God, how majestic.